happy day Rosso Garcia with Y Jesus hoping you are having a terrific day out there that you have enjoyed the sunlight the little bit of rain the peacefulness of the Sundays I feel that they are different than any other day of the week probably because it's when I go to church and I take better care of how I look and feel and so it always brings a lot more peace when I know that I'm preparing myself to go to the house of the Lord so and only because I'm able to feel that spirit and that love is that I want to make sure I feel that every Sunday. So I'm grateful for the opportunities that I've had today to feel of his love and his peace in my life. And so I'm wishing and hoping this very same thing for you and your family and loved ones, whomever they may be. I am happy to share this lesson with you today that covers October 11th through the 17th and it is titled His Sacrifice Shall Be More Sacred Unto Me Than His Increase and so the topics for this particular section are the following the name of the church was designated by the Lord Zion and her stakes offer refuge from the storm. My sacrifices are sacred to the Lord. By paying tithing, I help build and sanctify the land of Zion. And so these are awesome, awesome topics. And once again, for those of you that may be new to the podcast, we are following a manual called Come Follow Me, put out by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And you can get this manual in three ways. One, you can get a physical copy of it through Deseret Books, primarily. You can also download the app for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and do a search for Come Follow Me. And it will take you to the current week. So you can go back to whatever week you were looking for. And finally, you can go to the website for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And do a library search there as well for the Come Follow Me. And it will do the same, take you to the current week. So, once again doing a quick little disclaimer i'm not a professional podcaster a scriptorian or any kind of expert of the church to be able to share this podcast with you all that i set out to do was to share things that are sacred and important to me that have bettered my life and that continually give me joy and peace in the midst of chaos and turmoil and life happening so I share with you 
what that is and hoping that you find something or that you more than anything are able to feel the love of God for you and your family because that is the greatest gift um, so take it easy on me if you are going to um, question what I'm saying I do make mistakes I promise you and also um, as much as I try to keep things from uh, being noisy or different always different different kinds of scenarios happen so sometimes you may hear a dog barking a cat people bursting into laughter or uh, etc I'm not able to control any of it sometimes I feel like I've planned and prepared and surprises always come up so with that in mind hopefully what I share is good enough for you to bypass all of the uh, you know possible interruptions that may make it feel like it's not uh, what you would want to hear at that moment but in any event what I share is from the heart and that is what matters to me so I'm hoping that that will be good enough for you um, so tonight I always start by reading the summary because they do such a great job at reading the summary and so I am going to do that um, and here if you guys remember um, the people have been having a hard time because they've been persecuted um, Joseph Smith has been threatened um, has been um, you know tarred and feathered um, just all kinds of horrible things have happened to these people that are trying to live the gospel and so they've been kicked out of their homes uh, their houses burned people killed in any event they are having a horrific time with persecution in the hands of evil evil people who um, are calling them all kinds of names um, and making it seem like they are a cult when in reality they're only trying to live out their religious freedom and worshiping God and the Almighty God and Jesus Christ the way that they've been instructed but other people will not have it and so a lot of persecution they've been from place to place so here it says here uh, we're going to cover Doctrine and Covenants 115 through 120th and talks about Far West and Missouri and um, the place where Adam and Eve first came to uh, during the creation or when they first came to the earth. So awesome awesome important things so here it is there was reason to be optimistic about the saints newest gathering place far west missouri in july 1838 
The city was growing rapidly, the land seemed bountiful, and it was revealed that a short distance to the north lay Adam on the Ammon, a place of great spiritual significance. Still, it must have been hard for the saints not to think about what they had lost. They had been driven from independence, the appointed center place of Zion, and the chances of returning any time soon probably seemed slim. In addition, the saints had to flee Kirtland, Ohio, leaving their beloved temple after only two years. And this time it wasn't just enemies outside the church causing trouble. Many prominent members had turned against Joseph Smith, including the three witnesses of the Book of Mormon and four members of the Twelve. Some may have wondered, is the kingdom of God really growing stronger, or is it getting weaker? Yet, the faithful didn't let questions like that stop them. Instead, they started building a new holy place, this time in far west. They made plans for a new temple. Four new apostles were called, including John Taylor and Wilford Woodruff, who would later become presidents of the church. The saints learned that doing God's work doesn't mean you never fall. It means you rise again. And though you'll have to give up some things, those sacrifices will be sacred to God, even more sacred than your increase. I love, love this introduction to what we're going to go through. Um, and I'm going to read several of the scriptures that they highlighted here so that you can get a sense of who's speaking in this section and it's the Lord and our Heavenly Father so the first scripture is on DNC 107 53 through 56 and 16 116 it says Spring Hill is named by the Lord Adam on the Almond because, said he, it is a place where Adam shall come to visit his people, or the Ancient of Days shall sit, as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So, this is where Adam and Eve were. And then it says here on DNC 10753 to 56, three years previous to the death of Adam, he calls Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalel, Jared, Jared, Enoch, and Methuselah, who were all high priests, with the residue of his posterity who were righteous into the valley of Adam on the Amen, and there bestowed upon them his last blessing. And the Lord appeared unto them, and they rose up and blessed Adam and called him Michael, the prince, the archangel. And the Lord administered comfort unto Adam and said unto him, I have set thee to be at the head, a multitude of nations shall come of thee, and thou art a prince over them forever. And Adam stood upon in the midst of the congregation, and notwithstanding he was bowed down with age, being a full of the being full of the Holy Ghost, predicted whatsoever should befall his posterity unto the largest until the latest generation. 
So this is where Adam and Eve lived and their posterity. And so far west Missouri was not too far from where Adam and Eve lived their days. And so it is sacred ground. And notice that another name that Adam had is Michael. He was called Michael the Prince, the Archangel. And so Michael um, is one of one of the helpers of Jesus Christ. And so he truly was. Um, so that is the first scripture that I'm making reference to. The next one is on Doctrine and Covenants 118, verse 6. And it says, Let my servant John Taylor and also my servant John E. Page and also my servant Wildru Wilford Woodruff and also my servant Willard Richards be appointed to fill the places of those who have fallen and be officially notified of their appointment. So here, God is telling Joseph Smith who he's calling to replace the four apostles who um, apostated or left the church. So it's not Joseph Smith who's calling these people, it's God. And I just wanted you to know that process. Then on the next scripture, on Doctrine and Covenants 117, verse 13, it says, Therefore let him contend earnestly for the redemption of the first presidency of my church, saith the Lord. And when he falls, he shall rise again, for his sacrifice shall be more sacred unto me than his increase, saith the Lord. And so... Um, like it was mentioned, there was a lot of people who were being challenged in their testimony of the gospel, and some of them left the church, um, even four apostles, and the three witnesses are the ones that saw an angel bring the golden plates, the Book of Mormon, as Joseph Smith saw him and worked with them. They were able to touch those plates and see what they look like. And then they gave their testimony. And that testimony is written in the Book of Mormon as the three witnesses who were chosen to testify to the whole world that, in fact, they had seen these ancient writings and gold plates that um, had a history of the people that lived in this continent or part of the world. And even though those three witnesses left the church, they never denounced their testimony. They never did. Even when asked, they said, I did see, I did handle, I know that is truth. And so I just wanted to clarify that because they knew they were leaving for, they weren't willing to live like God wanted them to live completely, and that's okay with God, but they could not denounce that what they had seen and heard and done was according to the will of God and that he was directing the work and not Joseph Smith. So I wanted you to know that. And so we're going to start on our first topic now, 
The name of the church was designated by the Lord, the Lord being Jesus Christ. And so it says here, President Russell M. Nelson said the church's name is a matter of great importance. And there's a talk by him called The Correct Name of the Church. It says, think about why it is true as you read Doctrine and Covenants 115, 4 through 6. What does the name of the church have to do with its work and mission? And um, that uh, scripture that it had mentioned here, we're going to read, and it says, For thus shall my church be called in the last days, even the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Verily I say unto you all, Arise and shine forth, that thy light may be a standard for the nations, and that the gathering together upon the land of Zion and upon her stakes may be for a defense and for a refuge from the storm and from the wrath when it shall be poured out without mixture upon the whole earth. I love that it's Jesus Christ saying what the name of the church should be. It's not Joseph Smith. It's not any of the apostles. Um, so it was not named by an earthly being, but by a heavenly being who um, once walked the earth as the most perfect man, our Savior. And so President Nelson has recently, in the last year or a little bit more, has asked for all the members to not revert to calling themselves Mormons or LDS um, or anything like that. He wants them to focus on the name of the church, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and for us to correct people as to who we are because most people have this idea that we uh, worship some different being than God and Jesus Christ because they hear the name Mormon being thrown around or LDS um, but that is not who we worship and so by sticking to the name of the church as Jesus just said here in verse 9 for thus shall my church be called in the last days even the church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints that will make all the difference for people, those that are ready and have been looking to um, find the path that leads back to God. And so I am going to read a part in the Book of Mormon where when Jesus Christ visited this continent after he died in the old world in Jerusalem when he was killed and crucified and during those three days um, of you know for the resurrection he came back and ministered to the apostles there who he had left and sent them out to the world to preach the gospel that he had left and ordained made sure that everyone was ordained with the priesthood to be able to uh, baptize, give the higher priesthood, and to be able to do everything necessary in the church. And, the, and it was Peter 
James and John were left as the prophet and the two um, advisors to the prophet, if you want to look at it that way. They were the head of the church then. And Jesus Christ, when he restored the gospel here again in this continent, Peter, James, and John came to give those high, um, high priesthood keys to Joseph Smith. But the bottom line, when he was, he died in Jerusalem and was resurrected there. After that, he came to visit the people in the American continent because the scriptures say um, that he was going to visit other sheep that were not of the same fold. And so he did. He came here and he established the same church that he had established in the old world, mainly a church with 12 apostles and other leaders and um, told them how to baptize, how to give the authority of the priesthood to people, how to um, organize the church, etc. And so he was in the midst of organizing his church when um, some of the newly appointed apostles said this to him and it was recorded in uh, the book of 3rd Nephi 27 1 through 11 and it says and it came to pass that as the disciples of Jesus were journeying and were preaching the things which they had both heard and seen and were baptizing in the name of Jesus it came to pass that the disciples were gathered together and were united in mighty prayer and fasting and Jesus again showed himself unto them, for they were praying unto the Father in his name. And Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said unto them, What will ye that I shall give unto you? And they said unto him, Lord, we will that thou... Okay, let me see. I lost my pray place. Um... And then he said, We will that thou wouldst tell us the name whereby we shall call this church, for there are disputations among the people concerning this matter. And this is Jesus responding. And the Lord said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Why is it that the people should murmur and dispute because of this thing? Have they not read the scriptures? which say ye must take upon you the name of Christ, which is my name, for this name shall be called at the last day. And whoso taketh upon him my name and endureth to the end, the same shall be saved at the last day. Therefore, whatsoever ye shall do, ye shall do it in my name. Therefore, ye shall call the church in my name, and ye shall call upon the Father in my name, that he will bless you, that bless the church for my sake. And how be it my church, save it be called in my name? For if the church be called in Moses' name, then it should be Moses' church. Or if it be called in the name of a man, then it be the church of a man. But if it be called in my name, then it is my church, if it be so, that they are built upon my gospel. 
Verily I say unto you, that ye are built upon my gospel. Therefore ye should call whatsoever things ye do call in my name. Therefore, if ye call upon the Father for the church, if it be in my name, the Father will hear you. And if it so be that the church is built upon my gospel, then will the Father show forth his own works in it. But if it not be built upon my gospel, and it is built upon the works of men, or upon the works of the devil, verily I say unto you, they have joy in their works for a season. By and by the end cometh, and they are hewn down and cast into the fire from whence there is no return. I love, love, love this answer that Jesus Christ gave because it answers so many questions to the rest of the world and where it is they worship. And, um, you know, it's not me saying what the name of the church should be, but it does. Jesus clarified it to his apostles on this continent very clearly. The church that has the correct foundation that is established upon his gospel, his priesthood, as he left it when he was killed and resurrected has to be the same exact same one nowadays and he restored it and he gave his authority like he did in times of old and therefore it should have his name nobody else's name and I just love 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 because this resolves a lot of things and confusion that people may have about the name of the church. And yes, it's a long name to say that whole thing, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but that's how he wants it done. And who are we to say, God, can you just pick something shorter? Um, and so I am glad to be able to clarify that and that I am able to see a lot more people when we say um, the Church of Jesus Christ, it is clear to them now who we worship. Well, as before, it wasn't as clear. So I am grateful that the prophet made it a priority for us to stick to the name of the church. The next section says, my sacrifices are sacred to the Lord. And can I just say this section just kind of humbled me because let me make sure I'm not going to get emotional here. When you and I go through the ringer, when you and I go through refiner's fire, and we may even call it hell, um, and hopefully you don't take it as I'm cursing, but when we are going through that there is just so much pain and in many ways darkness in our soul because we feel the weight of whatever it is we're going through and <clears throat> Jesus says come follow me and I will make your burdens light and surely he does he really does 
because he is the only reason why I'm here doing what it is I'm doing because he's been able to get me through some very hard, hard times. And so as we're going through those times, a lot of the times we question, why is it that I had to go through that? Oh my gosh, why is it that it was so long and so hard and it's still, um, you know, uh, killing me um, emotionally um, or financially in, in every way, shape, or form? And reading this part, that all of our sacrifices are sacred to him, he knows when we are working hard to do what is right. And he will stand by you and back you up. And he will remember all the hardship that you went through to make the correct decisions and to do good despite what was going around and happening to you. And so... This humbled me a little bit because I just thought I was going through that and becoming a better person for it. I did not realize that God was sanctifying those hard times and considering those for my benefit in the next life. So grateful. And so I'm going to read this section Having said that, <laughs> I'm hoping to get through it. It says, My sacrifices are sacred to the Lord. Leaving Kirtland may have been particularly hard for people like Noel K. Whitney, who had established a prosperous life for his family there. Um, what do you find in DNC 117, 1-11 that might have helped them make this sacrifice? How do these verses change your perspective on what is really important? It says, The sacrifice asked of Oliver Granger was different. The Lord assigned him to stay in Kirtland and settle the church's finances. It was a heavy task, and while he rep represented the church with integrity, he ultimately didn't recover much money. Consider how the Lord's words in verse 12 through 15 might apply to the things the Lord has asked of you. And so I am going to read that section to you because I just want you to see how the Lord deals with everyday people like you and I. And when they listen to him and they do as he's asked, even though things may be hard and difficult, he stands by you, and he says, Verily thus saith the Lord unto my servant William Marks, and also unto my servant Noel K. Whitney, Let them settle up their business speedily and journey from the land of Kirtland before I, the Lord, send again the snows upon the earth. Let them awake and arise and come forth and not tarry, for I, the Lord, command it. Therefore, if they tarry it, if they tarry, it shall not be well with them. Let them repent of all their sins and their covetous desires before me, saith the Lord. For what is what is property unto me, saith the Lord? 
let the properties of Kirtland be turned out. Okay, I lost my place here. Give me a second. Let the properties in Kirtland be turned out for debt, saith, saith the Lord. Let them go, saith the Lord, and whatsoever remaineth, let it remain in your hand, saith the Lord. For have I not the fowls of the heaven and also the fish of the sea and the beasts of the mountains? Have I not made the earth? Do I not hold the destinies of all the armies of the nations of the earth? Therefore will I not make solitary places to bud and to blossom and to bring forth in abundance, saith the Lord. Is there not room enough on the mountains of Adam on Diamond and on the plains of Olahashinehah or the land where Adam dwelt? Okay, I lost my place again. So sorry. Give me a second. Um, where Adam dwelt, that you should covet that which is but the drop and neglect the more weighty matters. Therefore come up hither unto the land of my people, even Zion. Let my servant William Marks be faithful over a few things, and he shall be a ruler, ruler over many. Let him preside in the midst of my people in the city of far west, and let him be blessed with the blessings of my people. Let my servant, Noel K. Whitney, be ashamed of the Nicolaitan band and of all their secret abominations and all his littleness of soul before me, saith the Lord, and come up to the land of Adam on the Amun, and be a bishop unto my people, saith the Lord, not in name, but in deed, saith the Lord. So there's a lot going on here in these 11 verses, but I wanted to point out a couple. First of all, it, it is the Savior, Jesus Christ, who is talking directly to William Marks and Newell K. Whitney, and they are traveling they're they're traveling uh from where they are to Kirtland and he's telling them hey you guys better get going before the snows come on the earth he's giving them a heads up that's how minute by minute he's going to guide us and then he says uh you know in case you didn't hear me let them awake and arise and come forth and not tarry for I the Lord command it. Therefore, if they tarry, it shall not be well with them. So he's saying, don't do it whenever you want. Do it now. Or things are not going to go well with you. Why? Because they may get stuck in the snow storms and probably perish or whatever not. So he's telling them what to do, and then a warning that he's commanding it. And so it says, And also let them repent of all their sins and all their covetous desires before me, saith the Lord. For what is property unto me, saith the Lord? So he's saying, Hello, I mean, I own the world. 
So why does it matter if uh, we have properties that are being left behind? Um, and so he's, you know, definitely um, chastising them and telling them to repent, just like he would tell you and I to get rid of our sins and all our covetous desires before me. You know, they're the ones that are coveting the land they're leave, leaving behind, not God. And then later on, he says, have I not taken care of the fowl in the air and the fish in the sea? Why wouldn't I take care of you, really? I mean, and so, you know, he basically is telling us you are neglecting the more weighty matters, the things that are important. And that is to do what it is I'm asking you to do. And then um, the last part that I wanted to focus on is that he addresses um, Noel K. Whitney and he tells him, let my servant Noel Newell K. Whitney be ashamed of the Nicolatine band and of all their secret abominations and of all their littleness of soul before me, saith the Lord. He knows what you and I do in secret places or when we think we're not being seen by anyone. He knows and he is calling us to repent of that and to overcome the littleness of soul our sinful nature and show our greater soul and do the work that he has called us to do so even though Newell K. Whitney was doing these sinful things he still was calling him to leave that behind and to go be a bishop to lead his people to the new Zion or the new area. He can be doing the same to you and I. He can be telling us to repent and change our ways and leave our sins behind, whatever our secret abominations are. Leave those behind because he has work for us to do before he comes again to the earth. And so this is how God takes into consideration what we go through. It is sacred to him, and he's trying to say, I'm taking into account what you are leaving behind in trying to follow me, and I will always remember that and will bless you for that in the next life. But for now, leave your sins behind and get ready to serve my people. And for this, Noel K. Whitney is for him to become a bishop. I don't know what you and I will be called to do, but bottom line, the Lord wants us to focus on what is important. And for those of you that follow the Bible and use it daily, it couldn't be more clear than Matthew six twenty-five through 33. So I'm going to read it to you. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, 
neither neither do they reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feedeth them are ye not much better than they which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature and why take ye thought for raiment consider the lilies of the field how they grow they toil not neither do they spin Okay, I don't know why I keep losing my place, but here I am. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, or ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. It couldn't be more clear than this. God does not want us to focus on how we're going to live, uh, where we're going to get our next meal, or how we're going to pay the rent, or, you know, whether we have clothes on our backs. He is telling us, I feed the birds and the grass and everything. Aren't you greater than that? So he says very clearly, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, he reprimanded the people in far west because they were coveting the land that they were leaving behind and he said what is property unto me I own everything get your sinful nature gone and focus on the weightier matters of this earth which is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness to do good despite how hard it is and all these things shall be added unto you and all the things that you worry about you shall have and the thing that kind of slaps us on the face is O ye of little faith and I must be honest with you we all struggle with trying to figure out how we're going to survive with these basic needs and you and I know that when people don't have their physical needs met food shelter and clothing and sleep and health then it, it is so much harder for us to focus on anything else yet he says forget it have Faith in me, your Father in heaven, your Savior who died for you. Have faith in me 
and you shall have everything that you need. And it's been proven time and time again with people of old, prophets of old, that that was the case. They needed to take action and show their faith that they knew that it would be taken care of. And I must say, it is true, but it is so hard to overcome humanity and not worry about how we're going to survive. And so, but I've seen both sides of the coin is what it is I'm saying. And so I am telling you that he will test your faith. Um, he's not going to give you the blessings until after he tests your faith. That means you have to take action. You have to, have to, have to um, show that you're willing to do what he has asked you to do. And so then after that test of your faith come the blessings. And I'm, we're going to talk about this next section here that has been the biggest tester and proven me correct on everything, every single month I live. Um, and it's by paying tithing, I help build and sanctify the land of Zion. So this is what it says. The instructions in 119 and 120 sound similar to the way the Lord's work is financed in our time. Today, the saints contribute one-tenth of all their interests now understood as income annually. And these funds are managed by a council that consists of the First Presidency, Quorum of the Twelve, and the Presiding Bishopric. Consider the following questions as you study these sections. How does observing the law of tithing sanctify the land of Zion? How can this law help me help make the place where you live a land of Zion unto you? What is significant to you about the phrase, be mine own voice unto them? So I am going to read on the sections that mention this pain or tithing. And like it said, people who work are employed pay one-tenth of their earnings and tithing to the church. And that is a t law of tithing given since the beginning of the earth. Um, nothing new. And uh, DNC 19.4 says, And after that, those who have thus been tithed shall pay one-tenth of all their interest annually, and this shall be a standing law unto them forever. For my holy priesthood, saith the Lord, and so, and then verse 6 on the same says, And I say unto you, if my people observe not this law to keep it holy, and by this law sanctify the land of Zion unto me, that my statutes and my judgments may be kept thereon, that it may be most holy, behold, verily I say unto you, it shall not be a land of Zion unto you. So if we do not pay pay our tithing our life here is not going to be a land of Zion meaning we're not going to want to really live here um 
and want to stay and want to keep prospering and going through life here. And I have been there before, uh, to say the least. But at that time, I didn't have any control really where I wanted to live. But I can tell you that just the feeling I had living in that area was just... It was daily survival um, and daily fearing for life and feeling threatened. Um, it was just a total survival mode. And I knew how dark that felt and I didn't want to be a part of that. And so um, to have the Lord say, when you pay my tithing, I will sanctify the land of Zion. You're helping me build the kingdom of God, and I'm sanctifying the land of Zion, sanctifying the land where he's going to come, and sanctifying the land where you live. And can I just say, I know that for a fact. So I'm going to read on Malachi 3, 8 through 12, which I think all of you... Um, that read the Bible are familiar with, and this is on the law of tithing as well. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even the whole na this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if it will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall be not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine casts her fruits before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So what happens when we pay our tithing? We receive blessings that there is not enough room for us to receive them. The windows of heaven are poured out and blessings. And he will rebuke the devourer for our sakes so that he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. So that he will not destroy our food and our livelihood. Saith the Lord of hosts. For ye shall be a delightsome land we shall like living and enjoy living as much as possible, even in the midst of chaos. So how have I tested this law of tithing? Well, I'm going to tell you, I could not make it from month to month financially, honestly. There's been times where I have no idea how I'm going to pay that mortgage or food or gas, the very basic that you and I need. But I promised myself that 
regardless of the situation, I will always, always pay my tithing first. Um, because of the times when I have not decided that, all kinds of obstacles come your way and you wind up paying everything and everyone except when it's the end of the month and you're going to pay God or pay your tithing. You have nothing left because you left them till the end and then you feel horrible. And so now I just pay it as soon as I get paid. And then even though I know I'm going to be short on several things, I'm going, okay, I have a few days to figure out what else I'm going to do to make that happen. And time and time again, things happen so that I can have that needed money to pay whatever it is I needed to pay or to repair or to buy or to have gas or to pay the mortgage, whatever it was that I was going to struggle to make up after paying my tithing first, I have managed to do. And he has truly blessed me. Do I have the millions and millions of dollars that I wish I had? No. But do I have enough for survival and the things I need and my family needs? Absolutely. And has he blessed me to have peace in my life? Absolutely. And has he blessed me to find a home and a peaceful neighborhood where I can enjoy living in peace with goodly neighbors? Absolutely. So when he says, by pain tithing, I help build and sanctify the land of Zion. I'm helping with that little bit of money. God built more churches, more temples, do um, relief around the world, you know, the church, whenever there's disasters, the church goes out and they're the first to help and turn up nations where hurricanes, earthquakes have happened and even here. And that is all done with our money that we pay in tithes and, and God has truly taken care of me personally and my family for doing that and has given me enough. And so when he says he will take care of us, he will. And have I had little faith sometimes? Yes, I have had little faith. But do I know that his promises are sure? I absolutely know. I have lived it. I have put it to the test. Um, but we have to make the decision to go with what is scary for us to do. And after we take the step and go into it, then we start seeing his blessings coming through. And I can't remember which scripture in the Old Testament where the people had been freed by Moses from Egypt and they're, you know, walking through the desert and... Um, well, they've been walking in the desert for a long time and then they have to cross this river. And the Lord had promised them that as long as they carried the Ark of the Covenant, which is like a 
a temple on wheels, if you want to put it that way. They took their holy part of the temple with them. Um, that as long as they did that, that they would cross the rivers on dry ground. Well, they get to this river and it's all the people know they have to cross it. But the blessing was that they will cross on dry ground. The waters would recede for them to walk through. Well, when they stopped, they couldn't possibly see how they were going to do that. There was no bridge, no nothing. But the people that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they said, well, he said we will, and we're going to take the first steps into the water. And in they go with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, and they get into the river. Well, lo and behold, as soon as they took those steps into the water, the water started receding and drying up for the people to cross on dry land. Well, that is an excellent visual of us needing to take the fearful step of the unknown and trusting that God is going to deliver because he does. I know here on the earth it's hard to find people that deliver but not with God. All God will always deliver and I hope that you We'll test that on your own. So paying my tithing, it is the thing I do the very first as soon as I get paid so that I can then have his blessing and assistance in paying the rest of the things that I will have to deal with the rest of the month. And I'm so grateful that he has allowed me to understand how exercising my faith works and so grateful to share that with you i pray that you will first of all feel of his love for you and knowing that your trials when you are trying to choose what is right and live a life of goodness and helping your neighbor and living the gospel those trials, those hardships are sacred to him and he will bless us for them. And Zion and her stakes are a refuge from the storm. Um, he truly will rescue us from the storms. And those places that we help build with tithing will become places of refuge, not only for us, but for other people that are not members when his wrath comes upon the wicked of the world that have decided to go against him because they don't care. And so, but his promise to us is that we will be okay and that us paying tithing to build up his kingdom will give us additional blessings. And the one that I want you to focus on is that he will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field saith the Lord he will destroy the evil that is coming our way the devourer we shall have what we need to survive I hope you know 
that his promises are sure, but it will take an act of faith from you and I to continue to feel of his love and his guidance. And so I pray for you and your family and wish you the best for you and your family. And hopefully you got something out of this today. See you next time. Bye-bye.